You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in. It's the Lions 24-7 post-game podcast. Game number three is in the books, and Penn State is 3-0. and they beat number 22, Auburn, 28-20. to It was a game that the Nittany Lions took a lead late in the first half, and they never trailed, and it was never a tie game. Very tightly contested down the stretch. Certainly looked like two top 25 teams nationally, but it's the 10th-ranked Nittany Lions, Sean, who moved forward. They have Villanova next week. There's a lot ahead of them right now, and there's a lot to like about a 3-0 start. Cannot argue with being a 3-0 start. I mean, it's it's a fantastic spot to be in. We were talking 2-1. and one. I mean, could this be a slippery slope? But uh, Penn State has responded each week. Uh, did, a, did a hell of a job on Saturday against a tough Auburn team, an Auburn team that was um, in, in some ways on offense, kind of like Wisconsin, and in some ways on defense, kind of like Ball State. So you get a little bit of a uh, combination there. Um, but Penn State made the most of it. Uh, you can't say enough about that performance. Uh, I think that's a good Auburn team that's gonna that's gonna run the ball very effectively in the SEC as well. Um, can't say enough about Tank Bigsby. That you know that uh, that offensive group did a really good job of of not uh, not letting Penn State try and dictate some things. You you know Penn State went up eleven points and you thought they might have to abandon the run. They did not do that. They stuck to their guns and did a good job of. And then they had a chance to, to tie the game at the end, but Penn State's defense came up big and a uh, really strong performance for that defensive uh, the defensive front seven, especially. And then at the end of the game, that secondary came through once again. The sensing a trend now for the defense, the twice in three games, both times against the top twenty-five opponent, where they come up with, with late stops, and and that's plural. Um, obviously, the clock was working with the Penn State defense late on, on on both final possessions for Wisconsin and for Auburn tonight. But in, in each case, you you prevented a calamity. You did not allow that. Uh, open door because the it was an open door because he didn't have the offense be able to take control and dictate the game late and put the game away under its own terms as James Franklin likes to say but uh, they're able to lean on this defense and ultimately in a matchup where you didn't see Bo Nix turn into Graham Mertz but you didn't see him take that next step forward in his career we spent enough of these late night podcast episodes last year Sean beginning the conversation with Sean Clifford for a very different reason Here's the stat line tonight, 28 of 32, 280 yards, two touchdowns. He had his first interception of the year late in the first half. We'll talk about that. He also added 24 yards on the ground. Um, And right now, this is a team riding a seven-game win streak along that way. Sean Clifford, 12 total touchdowns, three turnovers. You know, uh, we've been very hard on Clifford through this podcast in the last year, um, but credit where credit is due. I said after the game he was spectacular. I was corrected by Christian Hackenberg, former Penn State quarterback, who said he was better than spectacular. He was incredible in terms of um, what our expectations have been for him and what he was able to do was sharp, making some throws, making some even even more important than making the throws, making the decisions to uh, to get the ball where he needed to go. Um, Mike Yersich, he can't say enough about the job that he's done so far. Uh, just uh, putting him in position, it, it, it was really interesting to watch, you know, they would try and get a, you know, get a running back in the flat. And then all of a sudden Clifford would turn around and he'd have another receiver in the other flat. I think John Lovett had a big gain because of it. 
Um, just there, there's so many things in this offense that are drawn up to to make Sean Clifford more successful, and he's certainly made the most of it. Uh, as you said, 28 of 32, which is just an unreal completion percentage for a guy that throws the ball down the field quite a bit. Uh, 280 yards, two touchdowns. Give him a pass on the pick. Don't even care about that one. He got drilled when he threw it. Um, you know, he was looking to make a big play. It happens, and, and at that point, it didn't hurt anything. Um, maybe cost you three points, but uh, uh, gotta like what he gotta like what he did. He looked better throwing the ball than Jahan Dotson, who uh, put Penn State over 300 yards uh, total passing with a 22-yard pass of his own. But uh, you're gonna need that from him in big games, and I think that that's absolutely a, a huge step forward for Sean Clifford to to go out and. And I think win this game, and, and that's what we're talking about. Can he put it on his shoulders, and, and can he make it uh, make it happen? I think he did that tonight. Uh, it'll be interesting, to, of course, to go back through the tape and everything. But uh, got to give credit to Sean Clifford again. We've 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 trashed on him before here, um, but he he did a really really good job on Saturday night. And he acknowledged this week that it was a mess last year for him in turning the ball over, and he understands what that meant for the football team at large. And right now you're seeing uh, making wise decisions. This was another game where there weren't a lot of throws that you had to hold your breath and say Clifford dodged a bullet or Penn State dodged a bullet in spite of Clifford's throw. Um, the misses were long. The misses were toward the sideline, and the misses were few and far between. He only had four incompletions. Yeah, and uh, drew a penalty, a really big penalty uh, there at the end of the game when they were trying to get out of their own end zone, threw the ball downfield to Jahan Dotson, recognized that matchup, and it was it was certainly there. And Dotson could just do so many things for you, even if he doesn't have the football, which tonight he had the football. I, I don't know how he came up with a couple of those <laughs> catches, but we say that every week about Jahan Dotson. So it's pretty yeah. pretty awesome to watch him work. I mean, that's uh, him coming back for his last year, huge for Penn State, obviously, but just to, to watch him week in and week out. Really, really impressive. But Clifford, um, you know, if, if it's last year, Clifford gets into some of those situations where he starts scrambling, starts trying to process and, and makes mistakes, throws it away, gets a pick, something like that. Tonight, he, he lofted it out for some of his receivers. Uh, the tight ends were were all over the place tonight. So uh, did it just did a really nice job. Um, Franklin said managing the game afterwards. And of course, there's that negative connotation that comes with a game manager. But he managed the game, and also he took it upon himself to to put Penn State where it needed to be in this game as well. So, uh, again, hats off to Sean Clifford. He was he was tremendous. Yeah, it really was. And by the way, going back to Dotson, ten catches, seventy eight yards, uh, touchdown. He was targeted twelve times. He also got loose a little bit on a punt return, a sixteen yard return later in the game. That's a, an aspect where I still think we're going to see a lot more from him over the course of the next nine plus games here for Penn State. But another great performance for him. Um, we'll talk about some of that distribution in a moment. Uh, but, Sean, looking at Penn State's overall approach on offense, um, wasn't a lot of splash today, but there was a lot of substance along the way. And that means that things are going well up front. This was a matchup where Sean Clifford had a lot of time. I think James Franklin joked that he had about 12 seconds on one of those plays. And maybe it wasn't much of a joke. It felt like uh, he was able to survey things that was able to help him you know, lead his way into good decisions where he wasn't rushing himself into things. Uh, you'd like to get more out of this ground game. There's no doubt about it. But I think you come out of week three knowing it was going to be a, a really a pivotal moment to, to learn a lot about the offensive line. Uh, you still want to see more from this offensive front. But compared to what we saw week one at Wisconsin, I think this is a downgrade in terms of defensive front compared to Wisconsin. But I also think we're seeing Penn State find a bit of a groove right now under Phil Trowan's direction. 
I, I think that the way that Auburn tried to attack Penn State early, which was not putting that pressure on, gave Penn State's offensive line a little bit of confidence, and they started, you know, protecting Sean Clifford well. I mean, that's you take you take a look at those numbers for Cliff, and 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 you know, protection, uh, comfort in the pocket, a big part of that. So, uh, you know, they they did a really nice job of of settling in. Again, you mentioned you could probably get a little bit more out of them in the run game, but still, when you're talking about how how this unit has been up and down over the first two weeks. No sacks is great. I mean, there no sacks for either team. In the, in, there was some pressure, but nobody got home. Nobody got the uh, the sack credit. Uh, no. The sacks credited at least. Um, at least, I mean, it's almost three a.m. So, reading stats not our specialty right now. Uh, but the, the offensive line really nice job trying to, or just uh, taking those strides and playing against a pretty good front. Yeah, and uh, so so we'll see what lies ahead for them. It's certainly a, a different matchup next Saturday. This was a big one, though, uh, against the Auburn Tigers who came to town. Uh, and, and you saw that SEC athleticism flash early, Sean. I, I never felt like there was going to be an issue and that being a gap. But I thought to Auburn's credit, just going to how this game was going in, in the start, they handled the crowd pretty well. I mean, there were moments where it started to get to them. I think late you saw an impact in the fourth quarter, a couple pre-snap penalties uh, started to look a bit out of sorts. And, and Bo Nix didn't light it up by any stretch of the imagination, but they were able to limit the mistakes. They you know, had a couple things overturned that, that made sure mistakes didn't get out of hand for them. And ultimately, I thought Penn State beat an Auburn team that didn't come to Beaver Stadium and laid a dud. They came to Beaver Stadium and played well enough to pick up what would have been a, a huge win for a first-year coaching regime. And uh, you know, I think that's also something to take away here. Penn State beat an Auburn team that gave you one of its better games, I think, that you'll see from them this year. And and we were talking, you and I were talking to Josh Pate afterward. He came up and made the trip, said it was phenomenal, all that kind of stuff. Um, but he said, you got to be encouraged if you're Auburn. I mean, you came in, you hang in, you, you hang in there. You you threw some counter punches, which I, I was really impressed with Auburn, the way that they did not abandon the run and came right back to Tank Biz, Bigsby, who was really good. Um, so, so, yeah, you got to you got to say that's a legitimate team. We weren't sure how good Auburn was coming into the game, but I think they're a top 25 team. Uh, no doubt about it. Of course, they're going to go through a grind in that schedule, but uh, that's part of the part of the process down there. So but but yeah, Penn State handled it well. Um, I, I like the way that they, you know, protected Sean Clifford and gave him a chance to to, to sort of process and, and make those plays by himself. Um, you know, it, it helps having Dotson. It helps having Parker Washington. It helps having those tight ends. Um, but when you give, give him the chance to get going, we've seen it in the past where he struggled with that on the road, especially, uh, excuse me, especially on the road against Iowa a couple of years ago. And then last year was just a complete uh, mess. So um, really impressed with the way that they did that up front, handled, handled, handled their business up front. You can't really, uh, you know, you can't really say enough about the, the, the way that they sort of, got where they needed to go. Now you mentioned uh, Auburn did not fold. That's, that's absolutely true. But Penn state gave the ball over on downs to start the game. And I think that was a pivotal series. Auburn turns that into three points. Penn state gave it on down, gave it over on downs twice and Auburn got just six points out of it. So a little bit of good, a little bit of bad there from Penn state's defense, they got to stop and they held them to a field goal. But still you're, you're not trying to give away points like that. So um, yeah, I think it's a, it, it's a really, really good win. And that's uh, 3-0. You can't say enough about 3-0, but it's a really, really good win for Penn State. And I think the way that they coached this game, the way they played this game, 
it exuded that early confidence that they feel. It felt like last year the team just had trouble trusting itself uh, over the course of four quarters in any matchup. Right now, and, and Franklin hates this now that we're comparing anything to 2020. He wants that everything from 2020 Stricken burned, from the record, yeah, yeah, just burned and, and buried. And, and last year was 2019, but we're going to talk about 2020 still, just because that's how this works. Uh, and, and I think when you look at the the confidence, we hear how confident they are. And, and during the preseason, we kept hearing it. And I think a lot of our listeners, a lot of our readers, were saying, "Yeah, whatever. What, what's going to happen at Wisconsin?" Now that you're hearing it through three weeks. Um, it carries a lot more weight to it. And speaking with Jesse Lucetta after this game, who, by the way, got his first career start at defensive end. He saw a lot of Nick Tar- Tarburton in there, but he was the guy starting. Um, he just really feels like the team was tight coming into this. And now that the ball is rolling and they're looking around at the not guy next to him and they realize, OK, we've been through the battle at Wisconsin. Okay, we came back to Beaver Stadium and experienced this crowd. We had this SEC squad come in, and now we're walking out of it 3-0, and there feels like still a lot to work on. And and that's what I think that – I don't want to say they're surprised by it, but I think they played really clean football, but they have a lot of a ceiling left here where you're not seeing Penn State's best football at this point. You're seeing an evolution process, and that's what's really exciting about it. And I think that's really where a lot of the confidence comes from. It doesn't feel like they're they're borrowing time with these wins. It feels like they're building something with these wins. And when you can do that before you get to the bulk of your conference schedule, whereas a lot of teams right now are playing cupcakes, they're playing FCS opponents, they'll get one next week, but they have a very – heavy three and oh and there's a lot of hollow three and O's right now across college football yeah we were talking about that afterwards just kind of looking at the the schools that are um projected to be ranked in the top 10 and penn state's got a really really good resume right now i mean you know you could say what you want about how good you think wisconsin is going to be but they went on the road and and beat an unknown unknown wisconsin team which is really hard to do and then you come and you beat an unknown auburn team like this and and, and granted you're at home so you're going to get a little bit more uh leeway with that but uh it's a it's a really good start for penn state um offensively i mean you just you got a lot of weapons and and nobody's putting up the huge numbers. I mean, Jahan Dotson was phenomenal once again, but he was 10 catches for 78 yards, averaged 7.8 yards per catch. I think Parker Washington averaged about six, six and a half yards per catch as well, but he had eight catches. So, um, you know, they're, they're making the most of some of these, uh, uh, some of these weapons, Keandre Lambert Smith with four catches, the tight ends. We've talked about that the first two weeks of the season, the tight ends finally got going and they got going in a big way on Saturday night. Yeah, how about this? Dotson averages 7.8 yards per catch. Parker Washington, 6.1 yards per catch. Keandre Lambert-Smith, 6.8 yards per catch. You see those stat lines and you say that's where you're going to get out of your receivers against Auburn. You're thinking that could be serious trouble. Here's what they averaged at tight end. You had Brenton Strange with uh, 17.8 yards per catch. Tyler uh, Theo Johnson had one catch for 37 yards. And Tyler Warren had one catch for 22 yards. So you're getting explosive plays from the tight end position. And that was a group, Sean, that between Strange and Johnson through two weeks had 49 combined receiving yards, which was certainly under the expectations that we set uh, talking about it here on the podcast. Uh, Theo scored a touchdown late against Ball State. You wonder if maybe something would carry over from that. And we didn't take long to see a lot of these tight ends. We saw three tight end sets um, on a couple different series. We saw a bunch of Tyler Warren doing a bunch of different things. And 
ultimately being involved in a throwback to the old uh, lion role, which I, I had some fun talking to Sean Clifford after the game about that. He almost went down that path and talking about the lion. And he was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. So, but you saw him take the direct snap and you, you turned over to me and said, former high school quarterback, and he goes two yards, scores a touchdown. And James Franklin says, hey, it didn't work the next time around. You know, he got bottled up in the backfield. But this is now something that when teams watch film on Penn State, you got to dedicate some time into figuring out, okay, what is this number 44? What can you do against our defense in this goal line situation? And it's one of those new wrinkles. And all of a sudden, they're stacking up these new offensive wrinkles in the past 10 quarters of football, I feel like, under Mike Yersich. Tyler Warren close to 6-6, darn near 260, going over top of the pile. And we knew, you know, we knew he could jump. We loved his basketball tape coming out of high school, big fans of of, of him, even though he was a relative unknown. Um, but I, I don't I don't want to get under that. I don't want to get in front of that. I don't I just want to stay out of the way when that get that guy. Mm. And I'm a big guy. He's much bigger than I am going over top of the pile. It was pretty entertaining to watch. And then the second one, I, I like it because they have options there. Um, it looked like I think it was Brenton Strange was his lead blocker, but it looked like he was trying to get out into a pattern. Um, you know, we know that that Warren is not a uh, an FBS level every down quarterback, but he's got enough in that left arm to throw it. So um, so they've got options to work with. And as you mentioned, somebody's going to have to prepare for that down the road. What I loved, and I tweeted this out during the game, what I loved Penn State was running those uh, two tight end sets, the three tight end sets, but they weren't, you know, this is not a, a bunched up offense. You're running Strange and Johnson out basically as wide receivers. You're running Tyler Johnson in and out and pretty much everywhere around the, uh, the formation. And what that does for you, back. <coughs> stop it. What that does for you is you're able to keep your personnel into the game. And, and the way that the rules have changed in the last couple of years, if you, take a guy off. Say you take a tight end off and put in another wide receiver. So you got a three receiver, you know, back to a typical 11 personnel, then the defense gets to sub. And, and if you'll notice, and, and Jesse Lucchetta was doing a really good job of this, they have to be off the field by the time the, the team, the opposite team can st- snap the ball. So you're giving Auburn a chance to run defensive players back in and off on their time. Um, when you've got those, uh, those two or three tight ends and you're just moving them all around you're not subbing, so you can go as fast as you want. And two times this game, a tight end was able to break down the seam essentially wide open. Brenton Strange had the big, I think, a 40-yard player or something. Uh, I'm not sure. I can't really see my stats right now. But uh, he had a big play, and then Theo Johnson had a big one in the first uh, first half. I believe both set up touchdowns. Um, yes. So when you can do that and you can set your personnel where you're basically playing tight ends of wide receivers – and they can actually play wide receiver, that's such a huge boost for your offense and the tempo that you want to bring to the table. And Brenton Strange gets into the end zone there, and, and, and that was a touchdown there with less than two minutes to go in the first half that put Penn State ahead, and, and they would stay ahead. They, they were down 10-7 to 7 in this matchup. They were down 3 to nothing. Uh, a three-point deficit is the biggest one Penn State has faced this, thus far in the season. Um, and from that point forward, they were okay. And, and, and we look at 130 combined receiving yards for this receiving for this tight end group Sean um, a big game for them another score and one thing that you had mentioned was it's not just about the stat sheet where we want to see more from this group because we have high expectations for this tight end group we know a lot about these guys and what they can be here and at the next level potentially you said blocking needed to be better I know we're seeing it in live time when we're fresh from it but from me saw a few more flashes along the way from from each one of these 
three um, uh, in the ground game. I think they can all get better. We saw Pat Fryermuth try to get better during his time on campus. It was a big storyline for Mike Kosicki. None of these guys are finished products in that department. It all needs work. But I thought today against a team that was very athletic in the defensive front seven, maybe could expose some deficiencies for you. They, they held up pretty well. Yeah, they did a good job. Um, I, I don't want to make a sweeping declaration on their no. blocking right now, but no, there were I don't some want to times either. <laughs> when they picked them up. I mean, you had Brenton Strange as a lead blocker out there. Um, so you, you, I think they did a really good job just overall. And to see them get involved with like you know Tyler Warren taking direct snaps and things like that, it shows the confidence they have in all three of those guys. We thought it was going to be Strange and Johnson, but Warren's really solidified himself as a guy that can can help you win football games. So. Uh, really pleased with the uh, the jump from week two to week three. I think they had four catches um, going into the game, and they easily had that by half. Actually, it might have been three catches going into the game. Um, they easily had that by halftime, and they got a couple of touchdowns. Yeah, something to build on for them. Now, we've talked about the offensive line uh, keeping it together, the, the tight ends having a big step forward this week, Sean Clifford playing very well. Where the running backs fall, well, uh, more to be desired there. Uh, Noah Kane, 19 carries for 45 yards, gets into the end zone once again. Uh, been there a few times this year now. 2.4 average per carry for, for Noah Kane. We saw very little of Kevon Lee. He lost the ball. We didn't see him on offense again, I don't believe. Uh, two carries, 15 yards on his act, on his evening. And then how about this one? Total wild card. If there was one surprise from a personnel standpoint beyond the Tyler Warren usage in the Wildcat, it was the fact that John Lovett was in the field, was wearing number 10, which we saw him in this week on the practice field. You're thinking, oh, what? okay, he's 23. He's on the scout team again. We haven't seen him. He played, and then he was playing in crunch time, fourth quarter, He's the guy out there at an 18-yard gain as a receiver. Just a couple carries, uh, nine yards on the ground for him. But you can see that there's a lot of trust. I don't know what happened the last two weeks, Sean, but it's not like he had to earn the trust in the field. They were putting this guy in crucial situations in his Nittany Lions debut in a whiteout. It seems like there was a little sandbagging going on there, huh? Just uh, you, you, you guys asked Jay on Saturday the other day. He didn't even want. He to didn't touch it. it. No, no. Uh, so <laughs> they were trying to get. Uh, I kudos to them if they're trying to sneak it by everybody because they did a hell of a job. Um, but uh, now getting him out there in that number ten jersey, which as we mentioned during the week, it's Bo Nix's number. So maybe he's <laughs> yeah. playing running Bo Nix. Apparently he's running, uh, running third string running back. It looks like he he bumped no, uh, excuse me, Devin Ford off of yeah. that number three spot as well. Um, you know, you you saw a little bit of twitch. You saw a little bit of burst there. He burst up the the sideline for an eighteen yard gain. Um, so you've you've got something there. It gives you a little bit different than you get with uh, with Lee and Kane. Really unfortunate for Kevon Lee because on the, his two carries, two carries for fifteen yards, I think it was, mm-hmm. uh, looked really good moving forward. Got to hold on to the football. And I know he got it back the last two weeks, but that's that's going to play you off the field. That's going to get you uh, get you replaced by a guy that uh, has played a lot of football behind you and love it. So um, would would like to see more of Kevon Lee, but also would like to see him hold on to the football. And if you can do that, you got yourself something going there. Um, but uh, but that's tough. Noah Kane had some good runs, some tough runs. Uh, not a whole lot of room to go there. Auburn it is a, one of those ones that scratches my head when I when I read it after the game. Auburn with 11 tackles for loss. 
They were mm. aggressive at the line of scrimmage, not only playing uh, the run game and, and getting some short tackles. And, and it wasn't much. It was You lost 19 yards on 11 tackles for loss, which is not very much at all. But still, that, that that's going to be something that knocks you off schedule. That's something that Penn State still continues to need to work on is getting on schedule, getting those third and shorts instead of those third and eights. Um, but, uh, yeah, Auburn was aggressive at the line of scrimmage, played those runs well, played the, uh, the wide receiver screen well a couple of times, made a couple of tackles for loss there. Um, but, yeah, that's, uh, that's still that running game is something you could take another uh, big step forward, has room to take another big step forward. Um, some tough yards by Penn State, uh, a really nice pickup by Sean Clifford for their longest run of the day at 20 yards. We thought the quarterback run might uh, might make an impact here, and it, it picked up a big first down uh, for Penn State. But 2.7 yards per carry, and that's not even taking into account that the, the sacks were there. Um, 2.7 yards per carry is still not getting it done. No. Um, and and the, the thing that concerns you most, not to dump on, on the situation, uh, because they're, you know, offensively there's a lot to be excited about tonight. But I, I think coming out of this, again, in the four-minute offense, uh, you know, in, in a situation where you have a one-possession lead in the fourth quarter and you don't necessarily need to take off the final eight minutes of the game, but t- cut half of those down, move the ball. You got a heck of a punter in Jordan Stout. If you get close to midfield, you like your chances to pin them deep on their side of the field and let your defense pin its ears back. Uh, in this situation, they were there on the field and they were punting and giving the ball back uh, to Bo Nix and Auburn in about two minutes. And that's twice now in these matchups that have been hanging in the balance. An eight-point lead you like a lot more here than you like the six-point lead in Madison a couple weeks ago. But still, putting that pressure on your defense, I think the defense uh, today was up towards 70 snaps on, on the day. And you don't want to have to ask them to do that on, on a game-by-game basis. And if you want to get where you think you can maybe get with this Penn State team as the wins start to stack up, you'll need to be able to find ways to put those games away with your offense. And and if you know, you're know you going to nitpick here, you know, love the game that Yersich called, but uh, – you know that little shovel pass to to Dotson there at, when you're running the four excuse me the four minute offense uh, went for a five yard loss. It just does not work for me. You know you're you're not going to beat those uh, those guys horizontally, especially that late in the game. I know Dotson's phenomenal and he's he made some guys miss throughout the game. Uh, that was one that was just like what what are you thinking here? Now luckily he was he was one upped by a fade call in the end zone by Auburn. So you know you you kind of forget about some of these things, but. Uh, <laughs> Couple of those, a uh, couple of those calls you you'd like to have back if you're Mike Yersich, uh, but on the whole, called a really really good game. Uh, kept kept Auburn guessing, kept the pace going, um, and eventually got the W. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. Just at running back, I think it, taking it from here, Kane Lee Lovett. That seems to be your three. If if what we saw tonight is an indication, now that Lovett's available, and then Devin Ford, seeing him featured as a kickoff returner right now. Uh, we'll see if he works his way back into the running back rotation. He was that third man the last couple of weeks. And Kaziah Holmes, I mentioned this on, on the podcast earlier this week, kind of feels like he's in an unofficial red shirt situation right now, even in year number two, as he played a lot of football last year because he needed to as the fifth running back right now. Uh, Sean, um, it took us a while to get there, but uh, <laughs> defensively, this team brought it again and, and, and they did it again late twice in the final four minutes. They had Auburn inside Penn State territory and, and twice Auburn comes away with nothing. Um, the big moment there, of course, was the goal line stand. Uh, Auburn working its way down to the two-yard line, um, an eight-point lead. And I'll tell you what, um, this is not only an affirmation that this team has a lot of talented athletes, 
Um, some of the guys, some of the ways we saw guys like Joey Porter Jr. and Jaquan Brisker and Brandon Smith and Curtis Jacobs and Jesse Lucetta flying around at their respective positions today. But they can look across the field and there is a trust in place. And I think that was lacking in a big way last year. But even at other times where Penn State has had a really quality team, trust would spiral a little bit on defensively late in games when the pressure started to mount. Two for two right now in passing that test. There'll be more to come, but these are two significant September tests. Two for two, and, and you got your hands on the football a couple of times. Brisker almost had that pick at the end. Um, this, to me, you know, if you're, if you're charting like where this game could have been, Penn State could have had a, a bigger lead. That uh, fumble that was not a fumble, it was the right call, but Joey Porter taking that back, the place mm-hmm. just blown the roof off there. Um, the should have been pick six by three Castro Fields, which I'm, I'm not sure how he missed that. Uh, Brandon Smith. The replay and Brandon Smith, whose juggling act felt like it took like a minute with the ball. I and mean, it looked, remember that touchdown from Saquon a couple of years ago where he just kind of bobbled, bobbled, bobbled. You thought Brandon Smith was going to get it. Um, and then you realize you're a defensive player and that's why you're on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but uh, that was uh, a couple of missed opportunities there. Penn State was still able to to, to make the most and get the stops when they needed to. By the way, uh, trying to drag down Jaquan Brisker while you're running a route to try and get a, a pass interference call, not the wisest decision, probably a little bit wiser than throwing that fade. Um, but that was uh, that was an interesting way to go about it for the Auburn uh, offense Uh Bo Nix, not particularly act accurate. Um, you know, he he did some nice things, but a lot of his nice things, I think, I don't, I'm not sure if they were on purpose or not. A lot of back shoulder throws, which again, some are on purpose, some might not be. Um, spread the ball around, did did a nice job with that, and made some good throws, but really wasn't the threat here. The threat was Tank Bigsby, mm. uh, 23 carries, 102 yards, strong, strong guy. I mean, this guy is built solid. Um, Hunter, the freshman, nine carries, 63 yards. Looks like he's, you know, going to be a player down there. Um, but, but, but Nick's only six carries for 29 yards. A big chunk of that, I think, was an 11 yard carry. Um, but 21 of 37 uh, for 185 yards. You'll take that. No touchdowns, no picks. You'd love to have a pick, but you'll, you'll certainly take that in a big game. Well, I, t- I told you before this game, I really like the matchup of just Penn State's defensive backfield, their ability to, to, to what the, what they can accomplish in pass coverage with the athletes they have versus what Auburn has kind of assembled, uh, you know, a, a, a bit of a, I don't know, kind of a plan B at wide receiver. They, they've kind of got this hodgepodge of guys who haven't done much. Uh, they lost some really talented players last year. They brought in Demetrius Robinson as a transfer. I just don't think it's come together all that well for them through the first couple games through the first three games. I didn't think it was going to be a big threat for Penn state. It really wasn't. Um, I, I think when you look at, at Penn state versus Auburn, what I thought was going to be exposed a bit for Auburn and to their credit, it wasn't was because of that pass coverage. And we didn't see much action downfield for, for them. There were some, there were some absolute prayers thrown by Bo Nix that he was lucky not to have turnovers tonight, but I think that Penn state's inability to, to get, uh, can, you know, to get him down in the backfield, they had some pressure. Usually it was Arnold Ebikede. You saw um, Jesse Luketa flash a defensive end early on in his first start. Um, he also was able to supply some pressure, but uh, a little surprised that with that coverage, they weren't able to get at Knicks and, and hit him and do it repeatedly as the game wore on. Um, again, to Auburn's credit, we didn't really see that on either side of the ball tonight, but I really thought Penn State was going to get that going and going to get its pass rush going in the fourth quarter. It just really never turned the corner for them. For Knicks, for all his shortcomings with accuracy, 
had a really good internal clock, got that ball out like, uh, you know, probably sooner than a lot of, of guys in his situation would have. He found Shanker, who was uh, just kind of like open all day, like 40. You, you don't expect a what was number 47, uh, the old Chris Cooley number uh, six or excuse me, five catches, 62 yards. He was just kind of always floating there. There's one play at the end uh, where he was pretty wide open alongside the uh, alongside. He's not going to beat anybody deep or anything like that, but it was really cool just to see him settle and, and and get open their their receivers weren't i didn't think were very effective i didn't think they were very effective i don't think they were very scary matchups or anything like that um especially when nicks was throwing the ball like he threw it um but uh but penn state secondary does deserve some credit there you know you'd like to get a takeaway but they they came up big especially in the middle of the field at the end uh you know thought brisker had that pick but uh you'll you'll take him running the clock out regardless so uh you know really good effort at uh at all three levels i think today the defensive line will probably be a little bit maligned for this one um because of the way that auburn was able to run the ball because they didn't get to the quarterback for the sack but uh you know they had their moments as well this uh, on, on saturday night and they were part of that goal line stand too right i mean it is it, not really a lot uh, th- there are things to work on, which is awesome for Penn State. Again, they're, they're not this. These aren't peak performances. There are things you can poke holes in, and yet you're coming away uh, with, with an eight-point victory over Auburn here uh, in September. And, and Sean, I think defensively, the guy for me, I don't think he's written down here for you, but the guy. I mean, Brandon Smith definitely, uh, you know, leading the team in tackles. You you could tell today he, from the from the start to the finish, he was in the flow. It didn't take him a while. He was in the flow from 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 first snap to last snap. I think that's a really good thing for Brandon Smith. But Joey Porter Jr., I mean, I know he had a really strong freshman year last year. He was a starter coming out of camp. He's played a lot of football for Penn State. But for me, tonight, maybe it's that touchdown that ultimately didn't count sticking in my head with that blew up Beaver Stadium there for, for about 40 seconds. But I thought overall his performance, again, disrupting with his length, just getting his finger on the ball, and being physical in the open field when, when you would see a ball carrier – thought Joey Porter tonight really looked like a top-tier Big Ten cornerback. Except one time. One time he went low and he got uh, he got hurtled. So I think that was him, right? That was him, yeah. It looked like it's, all, it's 3 a.m., so we got to we'll just take yeah. – <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Joey. If it wasn't Joey, sorry, Joey. Um, but they, they seem to go at him, and that's tough because I was thinking about it. And it's like, okay, usually you have two corners. One is – a weaker link and you want to go at him. Uh, they decided to go at Porter. Didn't have a ton of success doing so. Um, but on the other side, you got Castro fields who, you know, had, had another good game. So uh, it's, uh, it's certainly, you know, Porter was a guy that uh, deserves some kudos there. Like I said, would have loved to see that touchdown stand. I know that there's no question that, it, that the guy was down before he fumbled, but uh, that's a moment that you'll, you're going to remember, you know, if, if that stands that just completely threw the game on it, you know, in, in Penn state's direction. So um, always like to hear the crowd at that, uh, you know, as, as a guy streaking down the side, I wasn't even watching. You actually pointed it out. I thought the play was over and then you say, Oh, Hey, hey he's going. And yeah. that, was, that was pretty cool to see. Um, you mentioned Brandon Smith a little bit. I think he's still flashing, but I think he's not quite as consistent as, as, you know, hoped at this point, uh, Tangelo was in the right place at the right time, uh, threw on, flew on, excuse me, fell on that fumble. Um, and to start the second half, which was just a terrible play by Auburn, give Penn, gave Penn state a little bit, uh, of, uh, a little bit of confidence coming into the second half. Um, uh, Brisker thought played well. Luketa just always seems to be around the ball. I mean, whether he's stringing plays out, 
um, you know, making some some really tough tackles with some shoestring tackles and things like that. Um, just continue to be impressed with the way he's playing. He, he's in the right spot. I, I Maybe you can make the case he should have been there earlier in his career, but maybe this was just the right time, the right moment for him, for Pry, for John Scott, for James Franklin, and, and it's coming together. But through three games, I mean, this is – He's rewriting the narrative. I mean, and this is a guy who was viewed as a team leader, but I think coming out of last season, people probably figured, okay, we know who Jesse Lucchetta is. We know what he's going to give the defense. We know what he's not going to give the defense. The hybrid talk was interesting. It was compelling. Left a lot of room for wondering what that was going to look like. Here we are through 12 quarters of football, Jesse Lucchetta moving up the chain in terms of guys who are important to this team's success. Well, he's, you know, you, you mentioned the hybrid thing and he he has to be there at linebacker because depth is so thin. Um, but yeah, there's no question where he's the most effective. Um, you know, he doesn't have to play every single play either. And that's uh, that, that'll help him. Tarburton and he were, were in and out for the most part tonight. Uh, you got those three defensive ends. You'd love to have four, but you got those three defensive ends um, that have just been uh, really good. Just And mm-hmm. I, I thought that we would see Lucetta eclipsed Tarburton basically based on what we saw at, uh, at practice this week. But uh, it was uh, a really good performance for those guys, even though they came away with zero in the sack column. Yeah. It's, I feel like we say it every week. This is the one position that when you had the image of what this Penn state football team would be going to be, this is the one that's it's taken it to another level after Isaac was injured. And before that, even this was a major question mark. So uh, congratulations to those guys for getting off uh, to a strong start. You got guys with plenty to prove. There's really cool stories here involved. Jesse Lucetta moving over, Nick Tarburton spending so much time uh, working his way back from injuries. And then Evan Katie coming over from temple and, and making that huge leap and, so far, three success stories, um, and, and Penn State's going to need that to continue because, as you said, you get past those three, you have questions, but they've not had to go really beyond those three for huge amounts of snaps to this point. Um, I bypassed him earlier, but I did mention that Penn State has a heck of a punter. That guy's name is Jordan Stout. I noticed that you bypassed him. I was definitely going to come back to Jordan <laughs> Stout. Four punts, 50 yards in a game like this, uh, absolutely huge. That big kick that was late. Uh, I think it was the one with 45 seconds left. He got it off quick. He got it off high. He got it off in the sense that uh, Auburn was not returning that kick. So absolutely huge performance by Jordan Stout. Uh, Just can't say enough about the way he's punted the ball, kicking the ball off. Uh, Of course, they had the miss uh, early in the the season as a field goal kicker, but Penn State did not attempt a field goal on Saturday night. But Kid is is really good. Like he he just keeps doing it and keeps being more more and more consistent. Uh, no, sh- knock on wood here, but I don't believe he's shanked a punt this year. Um, he's got to be up near the top, if not at the top of average, because when you're averaging fifty uh, a pop on four kicks, that's that's pretty impressive. I know you were alarmed when one of his kickoffs didn't go out of the back of the end zone, and you, you wanted yeah, to make sure he was okay. He checked one up in the middle of the end zone. I was making sure that was still within the rules. <laughs> um, so, yeah, putting that Madison situation, it was just a rough outing in some ways for him and a tremendous outing in others. That feels like it's further in the rearview mirror. Uh, wasn't necessarily tested as a field goal kicker today, but getting the job done in a big way and, and, and be, you know helping out this defense, which is playing at a very high level. Um, Sean, we, we also have – the ref stuff, the the some of these penalties. The beautiful thing is, though, 
they lose this game, we got to talk about that a lot earlier in the show, and everyone's going to talk about it. People want to talk about it tonight, and I get that, and we there was asked to Franklin. But when you have that win, the penalties, the bad calls, things you perceive as awful calls, they, they tend to fall by the wayside a lot easier when you got that win. Yeah, you don't want to harp on those things, but you, you missed a down. I mean, come on. <laughs> I've never seen that. I've come never on. seen that. The SEC came out with a statement that said they they not only got it wrong in the field, they also got it wrong in the replay booth, and that's just that's terrible. And I understand it's a it's a loss of down situation, but you lost two downs. That that does not happen. Should not happen. But on top of the fact that it was not a very good call for intentional grounding, but that's a that's another thing. I mean, there's there's calls that you can you know kind of uh, say okay okay the intentional grounding the guy cuts off his route, but still the ball is nowhere close to a receiver. I'll give you that. Um, Mustafer, they gave him the spot, uh, the, the poor spot on the, the fake, uh, the fake punt, but okay. You blow the, the blow, blow the play dead. And that's where it was that that's fine. I can deal with that. But having that, um, the, the Brandon Smith personal foul there at the end, um, that, that really put Auburn in a great spot. Um, you could just keep going down the list. It's just, it was a, it was, it was a very poor outing from those, those officials tonight strong out in uh in terms of talking about the officials from james franklin after the game though i didn't get much uh, from him and that, that's the goal for him coming out of these games and again with the win it's a lot easier for him not to talk about the officials with us um coming out of this contest sean i, I will in. say this for, yeah. for, for the officials i will say this both teams held quite a bit and no <laughs> flags for holding so they did call i thought and, and you're laughing but i'm serious everybody holds consistency get over it, consistency. Get over it. Get over it. Everybody holds. They're not going to call a bunch of holding. They didn't call any tonight, which is consistent ac- across the board. Auburn held. Penn State held. No flags. Deal with it. I'm just that's my rant for for officiating. I'm not I'm not upset about that one um, at all. But people seem to want to hold on every play, and you could call a hold on every play. But when no you one wants to watch that, you, when you don't call any on either team, that. You know that 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 sort of evens itself out. So that's my little mini rant on that. Uh, the officials were bad in several areas, but I don't have a problem with that. Someone get that clip, uh, Lance. Make sure we get that clip to the officials of of Sean saying they did a good job of not calling any holds because that is the biggest compliment they'll get coming out of this matchup tonight. Coming out of this matchup tonight, uh, you know it's a busy evening of football on the field when Penn State picks up a notable commitment, hosts dozens of top-tier recruits. You had the count at more than 50 guys who are uncommitted and have a Penn State scholarship offer on the list today. We're going to sort through all this. Alliance247.com, Steve Wolfong already chiming in. Brian Doan's already talking to people. There's going to be a lot coming on the site in early next week on what this meant for recruiting. But for now, it meant plus one in the commitment column for 2023. Lamont Payne is a guy we talked about on the podcast quite a bit last week. Uh, really, really good corner, um, kind of in that Joey Porter long quarter mold uh, from Western Pennsylvania. Uh, can run really well. Came to camp and was excellent in June. Uh, this is a guy that they have uh, high on the list, also close with guys like Tamir Robinson out in Western PA. Um, and we'll, we'll talk more about Payne uh, when it's not 3.15 in the morning, um, but really good pickup for Penn State. This is a guy that really, uh, you know, was high on their board, came to camp, solidified his position, and Penn State was ready to take him, really fits in. He, he's been a bun- he's been up to campus a bunch, uh, really fits in with what they're trying to do. So he's a guy that I could see, you know, probably sooner rather than later ascending to a four-star status, of course, which would join Alex Birchmeyer um, in, in Penn State's class as four-star guys. So I uh, really like what he brings to the table, and uh, it's another good start, especially in Pennsylvania. 
Yeah, underway with an in-state player and uh, Penn State. We're going to see the momentum, though, building not just from 3-0, but from these young young men going home and talking to their friends and family about the experience they just had, digesting it a bit. It's going to lead to good things. That's the way it works from the way out recruiting event, particularly when you tack on that win to the end of it. Really strong day for Penn State overall, Sean. 3-0. Um, strong day out of you, and, and we're into Sunday now, and, and I know <laughs> – Lance wants to get to bed over there. I uh, want to give a quick shout out. Thank you to my father-in-law who, while we were out over there at Beaver Stadium, basically put together and tried to soundproof the uh, corner of my basement here because I'm not allowed up in the baby's nursery anymore because I guess the baby's coming soon and needs the nursery. So thanks to him. Hopefully it sounded good. If there are audio issues, we'll get those worked out. Thanks to Sean. You can watch us every day on YouTube or every show on YouTube at Lines 24-7. Thanks to Lance Glenn who's been doing a great job keeping us on track here. Josh Pate, great to see you tonight, man. Awesome having you on the show this week. We'll be back with four new episodes next week. It is week four, Penn State, number 10 right now in the AP polls. New poll out Sunday. Maybe they're on the rise, certainly on the rise here. 3-0 and through three games.